can't tell if the chemistry is good by looking at it. It wasn't clear yesterday. For the last time, the saltwater pool is a chlorine pool. This is the Talking Pools podcast with pool pros from every region in the country. If it happens in a pool, you'll hear about it here. Everything from tips and hacks to the latest tricks and trends, breaking news. We lay it on the line. We tell it like it is because we think you deserve to know. Hello, folks. Welcome back to Monday's Down Under on Talking Pools, where my name's Peter, joined by Shane. G'day, Shane. How are you today? Hey, Peter. Pretty good. Thank you very much. And yourself? Living the dream, as always. As always. Very good. Still very, very busy over here. Uh, the weather's cooled down a little bit. It's not extreme heat, but there are some pretty hot days still. Yes. How's the season going in, uh, in Auckland? Um, yeah, it is still pretty busy. I mean, we've had a pretty crap summer this year. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I don't know if you heard that there was some major flooding going on. Yeah, so we were very lucky where we are living in our house. Um, it's not flood prone, uh, but there was a lot of areas out west, down south. Um, the airport, Auckland Airport, that was flooded knee high, so that was shut down for a couple of days. Uh, one of the runways cracked, so um, yeah, it was it was pretty bad. It was one of the worst, if not the worst, uh, natural disaster on you know on history in Auckland. Mm. Uh, so yeah, quite brutal. Um, still cleaning up at the moment, and um, we're just about to get another cyclone coming in on Sunday evening. They say <laughs> cyclone Gabrielle. So we'll see what happens with that one. Yes. But yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's been a very interesting season this year. It's been very warm. It's been very humid. So people were still getting out in the pools, but the sun just hasn't really, you know, popped out as much as what everybody would like it to be. All right, it must be warm and humid over there. I mean, I'm here in my shiny new yellow Talking Pools podcast polo shirt, and you haven't even got a bloody shirt on at all. <laughs> It's oh, you. Yeah. Yes. Yours is in the, in the post on the way there, but Australia Post at the moment is taking forever with everything. Really? Oh, there are calls for a, a national inquiry into why it's taking so long to get a parcel from one end of the country to the other. Wow. Um, it was similar in New Zealand a little, while, a little while ago, actually. You could actually order things abroad. It would come quicker than what it would going from North Island to South Island and vice versa. Yeah. Um, we also had some flooding over east mm. on the east coast uh, in the last few months. And that, that was pivotal because it did two things to the pool industry. First of all, every supplier blamed the flooding or a damage to a train track uh, for a freight train, blamed that for delays in shipments arriving. So there were sometimes we were waiting months for parts. It's like we've only got one train track going over the country across the country. <laughs> Surely we must have more than one. <laughs> uh, but I'd even have to say, look, I need this part air freighted over, express it overnight. And even that was too much for some of them. 
Uh, but the other thing, a couple of years ago, everybody was blaming COVID, and now they're blaming everything. You know, now COVID's not as bad as what it was a couple of years ago. They need to blame it on someone else now. Oh, every time a train derails in the mm. uh, in the uh, centre of Australia or somewhere between east and west, uh, for the next month you'll be hearing about, oh yeah, it was on that train. How big is this bloody train when everything that comes into our state? Can take months on the one because the one train derailed. Yeah. I mean, Western Australia, WA, we often say it means that the East Coast think we mean wait a while because everything takes forever. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a bit of a challenge. But the other thing the floods over East did was they took out some of the salt processing facilities. So there was a major salt shortage in Australia. Okay. Now, We've got salt produced here in Western Australia, but uh, Bunnings, who is the national hardware chain, and you're familiar with it, they would always bring it in from over east. And for a long time, they couldn't get salt until they started buying it from WA producers. Right. So that was a big part. And I mean, I've got my suppliers I buy salt and, and everything else from. But if I'm between jobs, I've used more than I thought I would. For, for whatever reason, I'd need to just pick some up in a hurry. I'd just call into a Bunnings. It might cost me a dollar or two or a bag more, but at least I've got it there. Yeah. Uh, and I always add a few dollars to the price of a bag of salt just to cover anything like that. Yeah. My effort loading it up, the fact that it corrodes the, the better the truck out quicker, things like that. So there was actually quite a severe shortage in parts of the, uh, parts of the country, parts of the market. So flooding can not only cause damage there on the ground where it happens, it carries consequences. Yeah, definitely. But you mentioned the floods, you mentioned the cyclone that's on the way in. Uh, excuse my ignorance, but other parts of New Zealand are known for earthquakes. Is that something you face in Auckland? Uh, not, in Auckland not in Auckland, no. Um, a little okay. bit more down south Wellington area, yeah. which is, uh, the bottom of the North Islands. Mm-hmm. Um, there's two tectonic plates going through that area and then going down to Christchurch. So there was uh, there was a big earthquake in Christchurch. I'm trying to remember the year now, maybe 2009, I think it was. Um, and that, yeah, that, that really knocked the city. Um, 2011. Well, 2011. Um, there's still... Even even to this day, they're still trying to tidy up the city. It's it's quite an interesting city to go into because fifty percent of it is still um, um, it's still the old style Christchurch with the old style buildings, and then the, you know the the bits that they've had to redo are very modernised. So you've kind of got these two. It's almost like two different cities in one. You know, and it's it's quite an interesting place to go down. It's very beautiful down there. Mm. And uh, if you ever come over. Which I would love to do one day. Mm. What's the Wallabies beat the All Blacks, eh? What's that, sorry? I'd love to come over and watch the Wallabies beat the All Blacks. <laughs> On their home soil. On their yeah. home soil. Good rugby match. Maybe Be one here on my green and gold with all these, these people wearing black having a go at me. It'll be the up on out in yellow and green. Is it? Ye- oh, yeah. Yeah, yellow. Yellow and green. Gold, green and gold yeah. for Australia. 
That's right, yeah. Yeah, our flag's red, white, and blue, but apparently that's already taken for a national color. <laughs> so selfish. Yeah, well. Anyway, back to the floods. Um, what's the terms of swimming pools? Um, well, I had quite a few call-outs now for leaking pools. Um, there was one which was for a friend of mine. Um, this was out west. Her pool started draining the day after the storm. Um, within three days, it was completely empty. Mm -hmm. um, concrete pool. Luckily, it's only one side of the wall. Um, yeah, the, sh the shallow end. And one of the sides of the pool is in ground. The other 50% of the pool is above ground. So she was quite lucky in that sense. It didn't pop out of the ground. But um, mm. it ended up being the hydrostatic valve. Just with all that groundwater, it come down so fast and heavy. It must have forced the hydrostatic valve, the spring inside, just yeah. pushed it up slightly. Um, as it's come down, a load of leaves got blocked up in the gasket inside. And within, I think she said, yeah, three days, three and a half days, the whole pool was empty. When you've got that much volume, that much weight of water, or that much downward pressure, trying to get through even a small uh, gap in something like a valve or a crack or something along those lines, it, it doesn't take long. You've got tonnes of pressure pushing that water down. Yeah. Yeah. And I've seen in the past hydrostatic valves where there's just been a little bit of grit or something caught in it. It's opened up, let water in, groundwater's subsided, it's closed, grit or stone or twig or leaf, as you say. Mm. It's all it takes for a yep. bottle leak out. Uh, was, were there any signs of ground damage around the pool? Like, is the pool now stable or do you need the engineering to, to review it? No, the pool's looking good. So we did a uh, bit of an inspection around the um, the outer side. Um, she has a spa pool, which is maybe about 10 feet away on a concrete pad. Water was running underneath that, and it's actually dropped the pad on one side. So her spa pool now is at an angle. <clears throat> so she's hoping she can somehow claim on insurance on this one as well. It's like an infinity edge. Some people pay extra for that. <laughs> True. The infinity spa bill could be on the summer. Oh, yeah. Yeah, probably not what they have in mind. Doing um did a dive yesterday and another one. This is a liner pool. His pool started leaking straight after the floods. And um <clears throat> he cleaned the pool up prior to me coming there, luckily. And he called me in the morning and said I can see exactly where the issue is. As I got there, there was a split on the um one of the shelving parts. 
and it it, it looked as, as if there was probably a little cut there initially, a little hole, and with the floods it just opened up. It's probably about three inches long, so it was, it was quite a severe gash mm. in the side of the liner. So we'll see how this one goes. I had to double patch that one, but yeah, he's aware now he needs a new liner at some point. But just on um, some of the Facebook pages here in New Zealand, they've taken photos of, you know, their swimming pools after the floods and nine out of ten of them just look like a mud pool now. You know, there was that runoff going into the water. It was incredible. Oh, the amount of dirt that would get into them. Mm. Uh, fortunately, major flooding isn't, widespread major flooding isn't something I've had to deal with on a pool, uh, and I hope I never do. Uh, the occasional one where I had one where a um, water main burst nearby, and mm. the customers didn't realise, and it flooded all half the house, you name it, and that was enough of a mess to be cleaning up. Yeah. The widespread flooding, much like the uh, hurricanes we saw in Florida, uh, must be a few months ago now. Uh, that must be a hell of a job to, to sort out afterwards. Mm. Love it. You don't really realise how bad it is. I mean, just me and my partner were speaking about it, and we're just saying, you know, you see it on the news. You see it a lot more frequent now than what you used to, but you don't really take it into consideration in, until it's actually on your doorstep and you don't realise actually how bad it is. So yeah, my heart goes out to everybody that's been in that situation, you know, in the, in the, in the sake of a couple hours, you can lose everything. Mm-hmm. How much water going through your house. And, yeah, if you're not insured, yes, it's devastating. Absolutely devastating. Well, my house, my front door is about 50 metres from a river. Mm, and saying, there yeah. are, uh, I've heard people mention that you know, we're just about due for a 100-year flood. Because uh, mm. apparently a flood comes through once every 100 years, so I don't know how that works. But my house is slightly higher, about a foot and a half higher than the neighbours on either side. So that might might give us a little bit of leeway. Yep. But the number of people in my area who don't have flood insurance amazes me. Uh, I mean, that coastal river flood insurance is not cheap at all. Yep. yep. But the way I see it over the lifetime of the house, it's cheaper to buy the insurance than it is to mm-hmm. replace the whole house. So with flood insurance, that would be a different type of insurance compared to... House insurance, content insurance. It's a component of my house and contents policy. Right, okay, yes. So um, I've got flood cover in that, and mm. that's that's optional. Um, I always use an insurance broker. Same for my business insurance, for workers' compensation and uh, public liability and cyber and all of these things. I, mean, yeah. vehicles, I use a broker for everything. Cost me a little bit more. But at least then I've got somebody who really understands insurance on my side against the insurance companies because I don't trust insurance companies as far as I can kick them. <laughs> oh, I've seen them try to get out of claims too many times. Yeah, no, um, I, thought, I think you're uh, you're not the only one there. No, I'm sure I'm not. <laughs> now, another thing I heard about in New Zealand is carbon dioxide shortage. 
Yeah, this is true. So um, there was a job that I went to a few weeks ago. Um, it, it's it's a leisure centre and a gym. They've got an indoor swimming pool. Um, they wanted to upgrade their sanitization system. And as I went into the pump shed, I could see these big tall canisters. Um, you know, I asked the guy, what are these? Oh, this is CO2. It's what we're using to control the pH in the water. And he said, this is the reason that we're looking for alternatives. Um, so there was um, a refinery in, in New Zealand that shut down a couple of years ago, Marsden Point. They were one of the uh, food grade CO2 suppliers in New Zealand. So that left just one um, supplier in the whole of New Zealand. And I think it was in December this year. Uh, last year, sorry, <clears throat> their factory had to shut down. I think there was a lot of safety issues going on. So basically, they're they're slowly bringing the um, factory up to um, standards, trying to pump out CO two. But at the moment, I think it's only at about twenty percent uh, capacity. So there is now a national shortage of carbon dioxide in the country. So, yeah, I've never used it myself on swimming pools. I've seen it a couple of times, but um, I think there's a lot of commercial places now which are kind of panicking um, and looking for alternatives. And the biggest downfall of all is it's going to affect these little babies. I know we're on a podcast, but I'm showing a little, little tin of um, uh, this is low-carb hazy IPA. It's going to affect all the little microbreweries in New Zealand. And this is devastating. Oh, you guys are going to have to be drinking Australian beer while you watch the Wallabies movie all the <laughs> Flat, flat beer. <laughs> <laughs> flat beer, oh no. You're English, you should be used to that. What's that? You're originally English, you should be used to flat beer, eh? Hey? Oh, I don't understand why people say this about the UK. Yeah, I, I, when I come to New Zealand, they were saying, oh, you guys must be used to drinking flat, warm beer. I've, I've, I've never heard of that before. No, we don't drink that. In Australia, uh, <coughs> about other parts of the world, but in Australia, we drink beer very cold, about three degrees. Yeah. Uh, three degrees Celsius is... For our American friends, is thirty-seven point four Fahrenheit. Uh, sometimes you get it it's so cold it actually numbs the palate, so you can't really taste it. <laughs> but um, I know from family I have in Germany when I've been over there. Yep. They said, "Oh, put beer in the fridge for you," and it comes out and it's just slightly below room temperature, and you think, "How was this refreshing?" <laughs> so. Um, uh, I knew one German guy who actually, if you gave him beer that was too cold, he'd hold his knife, his table knife, over a flame, be it a candle or a lighter, yep. heat it up, dip that in the beer to warm it up a little bit. I think that's wow. a certain level of insanity, but um, mm. that's, that's why we, um, come on, any excuse to have a go at the English. <laughs> right? Any excuse will do. Why not, mate? Why not? Yeah. So, um, no, the brewing industry, but a lot of other industries use uh, carbon dioxide as well. Mm. Uh, and I mean, especially when you start talking about the medical side of things, medical applications, I dare say that they would take priority over things like pools because there are more alternatives. Yep. 
You would have thought so. You would have thought they would have taken priority. Oh, so. that makes sense. Mm. Uh, I mean, there are other ways of controlling pH in the pool. Yes. Um, yeah, just hope that one's over quickly for you. Is there an opportunity to import, do you know? Uh, there is. The, um, the guy that I was speaking to, he was saying that they were going to have to import it from Italy um, and it was going to be, you know, quadruple the price and what they're paying now um on the news yesterday they were saying italy's um, a bloody long way from new zealand it sure is yeah i don't i, I don't know exactly why he said italy um mm. i didn't ask him I'm, you know thinking about it i'm sure there's there must be closer places in the pacific or in asia somewhere maybe in australia Probably uh, in Australia, but that would likely get consumed by the mines. Our right. mining here is enormous. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so there's a lot of resources where um, they, they just consume every bit of it. Mm. Because your local pool store could be saying, hey, I'd like, you know, three pallets of this product. And the mines say, right, we'll send us a, a cargo ship full of it. Yes. They're the ones going to get priority. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, just on the um on the news yesterday, they were saying initially it was about sixty three cents a kilo New Zealand dollar. Mm -hmm. That's going to go up now to roughly four dollars seventy. So it's a huge increase, wow. massive. So yeah, there's going to be a lot more um. Uh, people shifting away from carbon dioxide now in swimming pools, at least mm -hmm. this year. So I don't know what the government's got planned, whether they're going to reopen up Marsden Point. Um, who knows? We'll just have to wait and see. But it's, it's going to affect um, food pricing as well, because a lot of the um, a lot of the growers, they use it in the greenhouse. Yes, of course. And speed up. Um, yeah, fruitations, you know, getting the fruit, the vegetables yeah. on the shelves a lot quicker. So, yeah, we're already, this this country, I think, worldwide, you know, they're, they're almost going into a recession, as it is. So there's going to be another cherry on top. So I'll have to wait and see. I'll yeah. keep you posted. No, please do. Interested to see how that, uh, how that pans out. I just wanted to take a minute to say thank you for listening today. I'm hoping you enjoyed the episode as much as we enjoyed putting it together for you. Listen, it's been a couple of wacky, crazy, screwed up years from pandemic to Poolmageddon. I just want you to know that we are all in this together. If there's anything that we can do for you, send me an email at talkingpools at gmail.com. Again, that's talkingpools at gmail.com. We're here. This is your podcast. We are the Pool People's Podcast of the Pool People, for the Pool People, by the Pool People's Podcast. This one is about you. So thank you for tuning in and listening. Do me a favor. Click subscribe before you go. That way you don't miss an episode. 